Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Wednesday morning. I had a very busy week. But I wanted to give a talk about um, a certain historical aspect, uh, as you'll see in a second. Today's podcast is being sponsored by the Zellingers in, um, in Muncie uh, by uh, Johnny Gill and Zellinger in honor of their nephew here, uh, Elio, is having a bar mitzvah this week in Baltimore, and they'll go to Greenspring. That's, uh, I had the brothers, but I didn't have <laughs> a student that's too young. This is Yehuda and Yal Zellinger, and in uh, celebration of that bar mitzvah, uh, we're going to do this talk today. Uh, the I just want to say before I start once again that uh, I'm giving a speech tonight for those in the Baltimore area in my shul and, and occasionally the arts at Rabbi Erzberg about the Galaxy Honors, but uh, I intend to turn that into a series, uh, hopefully in the summer. Um, probably a four-part series because it's a very large and complex question, but I'm just going to touch on, I plan to touch just on the Russia <coughs> program tonight. Just a aside, I spoke with uh, Johnny Zellinger last night about something. I, I can't believe it. turns out he's from the same, his family's in the same family, same town as my mom, which is Bardiov in Slovakia, near the Galician border. And uh, there are very few people from there. It's just a small world. I really have to send some of the uh, books and stuff I get about Bardia from this organization, which has now been formed to, like, fix up the town or the Jewish town or something like that. But anyway, thank you to the Zellingers. And here we go. This week is, uh, I think, in Israel, the Holocaust week or something like that. And... uh, so there's a, it's a Moshe Levy sent me an article. I was thinking about it anyway myself. I spoke the other day about the demography and numbers. It's just something that interests me. Uh, how many Jews are there in the world? How many Jews were there in the world? And all this sort of thing. Especially in the context of Pesach, I talked about this. And you can see sometimes through the murky numbers, sort of like the Yad Hashem. And I mean that seriously. And uh, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. I used to, but you got to watch out. Uh, because when it comes to demography figures, how many Jews there are, there were, all the rest of it, I know most people are relying on the, this look up in the wiki, uh, what's it called, Wikipedia, and I just want to tell you something. I've noticed this in the last year or two, or three or four or five, that people play with the Wikipedia articles. Uh, those out there who are like amateur historians, you should just know this, that uh, a lot of the articles are, are changed by interested groups. And as therefore it's not exactly accurate, it's a spin. I can guarantee you right now, as we speak, different sets of um, Wikipedia article changers are actively at work on the Putin side and on the Zelensky side. Get what I'm saying? Any article you're going to read about there in the Wikipedia about Ukraine or something like that, Russia, the Ukrainian guys are trying to change the Nusach and spin it, and they are, and the Russians are. 
and they play with the numbers and they inflate and deflate and they lie. It's just very interesting to me. I know the world isn't aware of this, but it's how it goes. You can't necessarily believe what you read. You have to see a very wide reading and know a context before you can get some kind of opinion. That's my policy. You know what I'm saying? And uh, there's a tremendous amount of spin out there. So the people who think that history is simply a question, you read this, you look this up, all the rest of it, are actually not right. Now, having said that, uh, this week is Yom HaShoah, or whatever they call it in Israel. We never celebrate that in my family, even though my parents were in the war. But okay, whatever, it's an Israeli shtick. I think it's the anniversary, so to speak, of the Warsaw Ghetto, ghetto Uprising and back in the 50s when they wanted to make in Israel a secular Yom HaShoah, because that's what it is, a secular day. The, uh, there was a certain, uh, what's the right word, feeling in Israel in the early years that they were ashamed of the six million. That how could you go to your death like sheep to the slaughter? This is really the antithesis of the Zionist model, like of Exodus or something, you know, with the heroic Israeli kibbutzim and pioneers and all that kind of stuff. And uh, even though it wasn't true, but they, 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 there was this image or myth, as they say. And by, when I say myth, I don't mean it's not true. I mean it's the image that they try to project of the heroic Jew versus the chicken cowardly Jew. And the Holocaust was seen as something to be ashamed about. So well, and this is just an interesting parasha. I believe what's his name wrote a book about it. That Israeli guy who writes those history books, uh, Tom Segev, has a book about this, and it's true. What I mean is, when Holocaust survivors came to the state of Israel, or their kids in the in the early years of the state, they were shunned and looked down upon by the local Israelis because you were all chickens and cowards, uh, which is terrible. But I'm just saying that was an attitude. And it has to do, of course, with the fact that the Israelis didn't do a daggone thing to help the six million, not really. And therefore, you instead of dealing with your own guilt issues, you try to project it on others. That's the Sigmund Freud approach. But whatever the case is, um, there was this attitude problem out there. Uh, and that's why they made... So basically, the Israeli narrative was looking for a Warsaw Ghetto Uprising or something like that, where you actually found Jews who fought back. I, I get it. You know, I understand the divorce, but uh, the Frum thing is the subsumed in Tisha B'Av, as you know. Right or wrong, there's all history of this. There were many Frum Jews who wanted, after the Second World War, to make a Frum Yom HaShoah. They said, listen, uh, they did it on the Chav Sivan, you know, for the Chamelnitsky, and before that for the Kadosh Blah. And basically, and, and many of the Rabbanim wanted to do it. The Chazanish killed it. I mean, that's the long and the short of it. The Chazanish killed it. His influence was such that he killed it. So it never happened. Okay, so it's subsumed in, in Tisha B'Av. That's the way it's evolved in the from world. You know, when you do Tisha B'Av, you have the Kinos at the end. You do one for the Shoah or two or whatever. That's the way it's done. I don't even know if the new generations have any uh, emotional connection to the Holocaust the way my generation, which is the children of survivors did it. It's what happens, you understand? It's hard to get connected to something that's as goes distant in time. It should not be the way. It's a doggone shame, but you can't spit in the wind. You know, in other words, it's the way it is. Okay, having said that, so I saw their articles out there that they're sending out. Uh, it was in this paper, in this paper, Moshe Levy sent me one about the figures, the numbers. How many Jews are there in the world? 
And this is where you play with funny numbers. Because, as I mentioned the other day, take, for example, America. They always inflate the number of Jews here. The Reform and Conservative, especially Reform, outrageously conflates, uh, um, if, uh, what's the right word, inflates it. Because that way to look at it, are more numbers. These numbers are funny numbers. So you look at Reform, they say, oh, they have 2 million, 3 million, whatever they say. They're counting somebody who's one-fifth Jewish, one-twentieth Jewish, and if they are Jewish, they show up once in 10 years to some event. Oh, it's a Reform Jew. You see, they want to inflate the numbers. You want to know where we have this also in America? On the crime. They always deflate the numbers. They'll say, oh, there weren't that many murders. There were only this. Because the police are underreporting. You see, numbers is just an interesting thing. The Israeli famously said, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> That's where he's coming from. It's the interest of certain groups. At all times in history, you know, to, to deflate or, or inflate the numbers. I think when Chaim Konevsky died, he says a million there. He came to a funeral. There was no million over there, but they wanted to beat the numbers of, of Ad Yosef, who had 800,000, so therefore they would say it's a million. I, I know how it goes. Okay, so you, you just have to be very skeptical. Uh, you have to be skeptical. That's why in the Chumash it takes the trouble to tell you several times they counted because they want to say these are real numbers. That's what the Chumash is saying. Okay, now, uh, years ago I used to say like this, there are 18 million Jews by the time Hitler came around. And then he killed 6 million, so left you with uh, 12. The only thing is, uh, that number never changed. There were 12 million 10 years later, 12 million 10 years later, 10 years later. They claimed it was 13, 14. Who knows? Uh, in Israel, I would say in the last uh, 30, 40 years, so there's this unit uh, in the Hebrew University they try to be more accurate. I repeat the words, try, try to be more accurate. That's Professor uh, Sergio de, de la Pergola, who's a Dati guy, uh, who, is, who you know, tried using their metrics to come up with the Jewish numbers. And these are the numbers uh, that are floating around uh, in the newspapers these days, which is a good thing because... They're a little more from, so to speak. Uh, I don't know if I totally trust their numbers, but they're better than what you'll see usually. Okay? Better numbers you see usually. According to these numbers, he would say like this. Modern Jewish history is a very interesting period. Uh, in the 1800s, and up to the Shoah, B'nai Yisrael part of It was a tremendous expansion of the Jewish population in the world from 3.2 million to 16 and a half million. That's knows they expanded five times. There are places where it expanded 10 times. I'm doing this Galician thing tonight and I did a little bit of homework and put two, two together in Galicia. The population expanded by my calculations tenfold from 150,000 to 1.5 million. Just a lot of them emigrated, moved elsewhere. Such as my mom's family, you know. So, uh, that's tenfold in, you know, 100 years or something like that. That's crazy, right? Now, I mean, that sounds like everybody was sophomore and had 15 kids. You know, and that wasn't the case. Avo became, there was just a part of a issue. There was a tremendous ex expansion. 
This does not happen in history. If you know the Jewish population in the world, it was always very small, smaller than you even think, and there wasn't any kind of a baby boom. I'm talking about in the time of the uh, Middle Ages, the Gaonim, the Rishonim, as you call it, that sort of thing. There wasn't really a big population. It's, for some reason, maybe it's in the water. When the Jews moved to Eastern Europe, to what we call the Kingdom of Poland, or, or uh, the old Eastern Europe where the Jews lived, which is the Ukraine, Belarus, and Lithuania, Latvia, and Poland. Again, Ukraine, Belarus, Lithuania, Latvia, and Poland. For some reason, it was a, a baby boom. And if there were 3 million, 3.2 million in 1825, there was like a million maybe a century earlier. So, you know, there was a tripling even at that time. So the point is, if Hitler hadn't come along, and if the numbers would have continued, it would go from 16 to, to 30 million or whatever, you know. It'd be crazy if there's 30 million Jews in the world today. But of course, Hitler killed a bunch, as I'll talk about in a second. And then numbers went down. And according to this article that they send out now to all the newspapers, they're back to what they were, according, in other words, to the Hebrew University uh, dem demographers' counters, we're back to 1939. Right? Which is kind of sad, but in the sense that uh, there was not really any growth. Now, let me get specific. Let's use that number that there were 16.5 million Jews in the world in 39. And then came the Holocaust. So how many were killed in the Holocaust? They usually use the number 6 million. Uh, I use the number 5.5. 5.5, five and as far as I can see, basically, it's 3 million and a million and a half. That's your core numbers. Hitler shot in what they call the Holocaust by bullets, 1.5 million in six months between the time he invaded the Soviet Union, in other words, between June of 41 and the end of the year, December 31, they shot, not to concentration camps, uh, all the Jews in Lithuania, Latvia, Belarus, and so forth. So that's it. You start with a million and a half. How many were killed in the gas chambers and that kind of stuff once they started the industrial killing? So the number I know is three million. In fact, I asked my good friend, uh, Professor Robert Shapiro at Brooklyn. I think he just retired. He, he's a Holocaust guy, you know. So um, that's his uh, field. And he, he, you know, wrote back the three million, which is what I thought. So, three million and a million and a half gives you four and a half million. Okay. So, where do you get the rest? Well, this is how they do it. There's about a half a million uh, that died GIs. This is how they count them. In other words, I forget, a ton of Jews were killed fighting in the Red Army against Hitler. It's not what you think about the Holocaust. This is how they do the numbers. There are also a large number of Jews, believe it or not, in the Polish army in 39 that were killed. So between the Polish and the, and the Soviet armies, you end up like with a half million dead. It's a gigantic number, but if you know the huge fighting that was going on in World War II, it's not so surprising. Especially if you throw in another 10,000 between the American, the British, and all the rest of it. I don't think so many of them were killed in World War II. So that gives you four and a half plus that gives you five million. Where do you get the extra half million? Right? 
Where'd he get the extra half a million? Uh, so listen, Hitler killed plenty of people uh, in the ghettos and places like that. I'm serious. You know, from the malnutrition and the starva starvation and that kind of business and from the um, epidemics that rage in these areas. I mean, plenty of people were killed by Hitler, not in the Holocaust by bullets and that I just referred to before, and outside the gas chambers. So that gives you another half a million. So you end up with five million, even though, I'm sorry, five and a half, even though half a, half a million is more or less combat uh, soldiers who were killed. It's not like Hitler uh, captured him and put him in some kind of a, a camp situation or whatever. You know, they were killed in fighting. That's the best that I know. It could be that they're more than that, because we don't have the full figures, and some of the stuff was discovered after the Soviet Union fell. But roughly speaking, that's how I understand it. Okay, that's how I understand it. Now, uh, the thing is, so so you had sixteen and a half million, and five and a half million were killed. So that leaves you eleven million. The only thing is, correct. So uh, the only thing is that so if that's true. Then the point they're making is here we are today in, in Yamashon, the year 2022, this week, and we're back to 16.5 million. That was the point of the articles that you see all over the place in news and internet. No, that must be a press release from the Hebrew University, all that's it. So it's a plus and a minus. It's a plus in the sense that at least we recovered uh, what Hitler killed demographically. It's a minus in the sense that it should be a lot more. It's a very small uh, growth rate. The 11 million should be already by 20 million, at least, at least, you know, at least. So it's very sad in that regard. But that's the way these numbers seem to be going. I would say that you throw in another half million, many people don't know, from World War One. So between World War One and World War Two, you get a total of 6 million. Because, first of all, the Ukrainians massacred about 100,000 Jews in 1919, 1920. The Ukrainians. Not the Ukrainian government. There wasn't a Ukrainian government. Uh, this is a very complicated story. They used to blame a guy named Petlura, who was the president of Ukraine, uh, and he was shot by a Jew later on in revenge. But as far as I can tell, really, 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 he wasn't in favor of it. He tried to stop it, which is interesting. But whoever it was, you understand? Whoever it was, the... Um, the, 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 the Ukrainian groups killed about 100,000 Jews. Now, they should be very ashamed of this. I don't think they are. Here's something. I just looked this the other day. Last night, I said, let me go and Google the Ukrainian massacres of 1919. They're changing their numbers already. They see maybe it was 30,000, maybe it was 60, 70,000. That's the high numbers. And they use funny language. I know how you do this. They're slimy. Some reports say 30,000. Some reports say 7,000. In other words, Ukrainian Goyim have got a hold of this site and they're lowering the numbers to make Ukraine look better. These are how, this is the manipulation of the Wikipedia and the other stuff that you're talking about. Okay? But everybody knows, and it was a big in the international news at that time, they shafted at least 100,000 Jews. In addition to that, so in other words, I'll start again. You had 5.5 million. This is by my Cass's calculations. 
five and a half million perished in the Holocaust, including soldiers. Okay, now uh, then let's go to World War One. So hundred thousand were killed right after World War One in by the Ukrainians, the Goyim. Then hundred thousand. This is Dover Yudua. Hundred thousand Jews were killed fighting in the Russian army for the Tsar, which is a real waste because what it. Blockhead, what he was an anti-Semite, Shankamov. That's already two hundred thousand. Okay, uh, if you go in the uh, figures, forty thousand were killed fighting for Franz Josef. Forty thousand Jews were killed in First World War. Killed, I say, fighting for Austria-Hungary. As part of my talk tonight, in Germany, it's a double. You do it at twelve thousand were killed, because during World War One, it's a famous scandal. The anti-Semites said the Jews are draft dodgers and not serving in the army. The Yankees freaked, properly so, pre, probably so. They did a famous census and all this kind of stuff. They said, no, it's not true. Jews are not dodging the draft. Adraba, they're all in the army. And they did their numbers closely and 12,000 were killed. So 40 and 12, 40 and 12, we get 52. So it's already talking about just from soldiers, 150,000, 100,000 in the Tsar's army. 50,000 in the German and Austrian armies, 52,000. Uh, about 10,000 were killed in the British, uh, the, the American army, 3,500 uh, Jews were killed in the British army, something like 10,000, something like that. So give me 160,000. See where I'm going with this? Then you had the Jews who were killed in the French armies because there were plenty of Jews in the French army. They're very patriotic. And the Ottoman Turkish army, believe it or not, and so on and so forth. So you end up with another 200,000. So right off the bat, you're talking about just from the combat. It's 200,000. From the Ukrainian Shita is another 100,000. So in addition to 5.5 million, give me another 300,000 for World War One, And I ain't finished by any means. Because the Russians, when they invaded in World War One, they did exactly like you're uh, reading about with Putin now in terms of killing and rape and all this kind of stuff. But they did it to Jews. This is something people don't talk about so much. But the Russian army invaded Galicia, which was uh, uh, chock full of Jews, in World War One, And it was a systematic killing and rape. They killed all the men and raped all the women. This is what the Russians did. Ordinarily, if I would say it, people might think Katz is just exaggerating or whatever. But, you know, based on what you read in the papers now, what they're doing in Ukraine, it's the same thing, except there are no Jews there. <laughs> you get it? No Jews. Is this happening to the guy? That's the point. Um, somebody wrote a book, you know, about Israel. They said, when they come to get us, we won't be there. That's what it is now. They can't do it to the Jews because the Jews are basically out of, out of Ukraine. But they did it to the people who are not Jewish. So in World War I, they did it primarily to the Jews. It was terrible. And I'm going to tell you something. Many, many years ago, I noticed that on the one hand... Uh, I knew what the Russians were doing systematically in 1914, 15, 16 in the areas that they occupied, what they were doing to the Jews, where they would just shoot the men and, uh, and rape all the women. But I also noticed reading the American Jewish press in 1914, 1916, they never talked about that. If there was anything positive the Russians did, which was very scarce, they would play it up. And they always talk about bad things that the Germans are doing 
to the Jews in the occupied territories, which was a lie, which means the American Jewish press, your local newspapers, were um, under the in, in the service of the British propaganda. You get British propaganda. They were lying. That's uh, I, I experienced that many many uh, decades ago, and that's why I uh, became skeptical. You know, you have to read it with an extra eye when you see these things, especially in the Jewish press. You know, in different in different uh, Jewish angles. This goes for what's online, what's what, what's in print, and so forth. And so, the bottom line is that. Uh, if you put the two together, and I haven't talked about how many Jews perished in World War One from the Russian atrocities and from the uh, malnutrition, the epidemics brought by the armies. So it's clearly half a million. Which means that six million Jews total perished between World War One plus World War Two. It's a different character, you know, it's not the same as the Holocaust. But the bottom line is they're dead. So uh, that's why I have trouble with the numbers. Because if that's true, what I just said, it kind of is funny to square with the idea of 16.5 million because uh, it should have been, let's say, 17 million. You know, let me put it this way. How did they reach 16.5 million having lost half a million in World War One? So that means that the baby boom was even bigger than they said. Because it means it went from 3 million, 3.2 million, to 16.5 million, with a half a million getting killed along the way. You get my point? So it really was a part of a issue to by year by member. It was a tremendous expansion. Now, this is food for thought from a religious perspective because there never happened such a thing in history. Not in recorded history. You know, if you go back to Mitzrayim, whatever. But as far as we know, in recorded history, you never had such an expansion of Jewish population. You can see the Rabboni Shalom, and I'm saying this in light of the fact it's Holocaust week. You know, Rabboni Shalom was planning the, this Holocaust. You know what I mean when I say that. No, it was he foreseeing in the future. And positioning the Jewish people in such a way that they would be able to withstand such a blow without being wiped out. Which is weird, but interesting. And food for thought. Had there been 3 million or 4 million Jews total, and that number, by the way, the 3.2 million included the Sfarnam. And so does the number 11.5, uh, 16.5 million. It includes the Sfarnam. But the Sfarnish numbers, as far as I'm aware, if you take North Africa and the Middle East, they didn't go anywhere. They remained pretty stable. There's no baby boom over there. That's just interesting, by the way. So you go to, you look at the numbers of Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, Egypt, and so forth, you know, Yemen. The numbers are pretty stable. Only in Eastern Europe did the numbers explode. And it was the Eastern European Jews that provided reinforcements for the Jewish communities elsewhere with demographic, demographically were going down. This is the story of the 19th century. And so, had there been only 3 million Jews in the world or something like this, or 4 or 5 million, and Hitler would have come along, There'd be no survivors. Let's put it this way. No Ashkenazi Jews. They'd be all dead. You know what I mean. 99%. Nothing to work with. Instead, in a way of, what's the right word? Padding the Jewish demography in such a way they could withstand this blow. And this is my interpretation, of course. You see something very interesting.
taking the grand view, looking at the 1800s and the 1900s, which we can do now in retrospect. And you see, the good Lord organized matters that several things happened. First of all, the Jewish numbers expanded tremendously, fivefold, uh, maybe even a little more, as they said, so that they could take a blow of six million and still survive. That's number one. Number, excuse me, number two, something quite remarkable happened in terms of geographical change. The Ashkenazic Jews were in Europe and never left Europe for centuries. I'll go even farther. They were in Eastern Europe and never left Eastern Europe for centuries. When the Jews came to the Polish Empire, to what we call Ukraine, Belarus, and Lithuania, Latvia, and Poland, they came there and they stayed there. A few, not many, uh, in one occasion other than the 16th, 17th, 18th, a few of them moved into Central Europe and places like that. So, uh, for various reasons. So there were some, there were, that moved the place to like Hungary, to Germany, you know, places like that. But not a whole lot. Didn't, didn't affect the main Jewish group in Eastern Europe. And it was up to them, that's what they would stay. Because that's what they were used to. And they built up a large Jewish culture there, Yiddish-speaking, they had masses of people. If you're from, that was the from headquarters of the world by far, quantitatively and, and qualitatively, it was Acre Malcolm Torah in the world by far. Let's stay there. Suppose the good Lord arranged matters that Russia, for example, the Russian Empire, which controlled Eastern Europe, would have become liberal and democratic in the 19th century. No Jews would come to America. <laughs> you see my point? But instead, what happened was that the Jewish communities in Europe, first in Central Europe and then primarily in Eastern Europe, were pinpricked in the course of the 1800s. They did little things to them here and there that were sharp and painful, like the pogroms in the 1880s, for example, that broke out, that freaked out the East European Jews and started a gigantic wave of immigration to America and to the West in general. How many Jews were actually killed in these pogroms? Very, very few. I did a series on this a couple of years ago. Maybe it's on the YouTube. You know, my people put up stuff as they decide. I did a series on that. But if you want to get into numbers, it was horrible what they did to the Jews, but it's very small numbers. Similarly, the German Jews that came to this country earlier in the 1800s, what were they running away from? Pinpricks. There was a little bit of violence, very little. Mostly it was stupid anti-Semitic laws. But it was enough to spur the departure from Europe of about 3-4 million Jews. That's a lot of numbers. Between the Yekas on the one hand, the Eastern European Jews on the other, and the Central European Jews on the other, I think you're talking about 4 million. So listen to what I'm saying. Just before Hitler came to power, for the one and only time, a bunch of Jews in their millions picked up, got the heck out of Europe, and went far away, where they were safe from Hitler, so to speak. That's a remarkable story. Because about 3 million came to America, something like that, and they, another million, if you add England and South Africa and Canada and, you know, those, and France, by the way, those kind of places. You know, it's 200,000 here, it's 150,000 here, it's 100,000 here. 
by the time you finish, you're talking about a million people. Uh, so about 4 million Jews of this new and expanded Jewish population got out of the way of the Holocaust. And this is physically how the Jews survived. Now, perhaps in another scenario, perhaps all these Jews who fled Europe would have gone to Palestine and settled in Israel. I don't know if that would have been possible or not. That's a game like counterfactual. What if? What if? Uh, how would that have affected the, this Holocaust and the 6 million Jews? You know, it's a lot to speculate over there. Because uh, it could have gone bad, it could have been good, gone good. It's, it's not clear. But there's no question in my mind that you see a divine plan unfolding. Now, it would have been better from our perspective if the divine plan did not include the murder of 6 million Jews. I get that. But obviously this was part of some big plan. I'm not going to get into the business of saying why and all the rest of it because that becomes very self-serving. I can't stand that. But I'm pointing out that you look at the mega trends, especially if you're from, it's like stares you in the face. And uh, you see the Yad Hashem in a, in a big way. Today, the numbers have come back, according to what they say, to what they were at the time, at the beginning of Hitler in 39. So we're back at 16 and a half. But the big difference is, obviously, that the Jews are not in Europe anymore as they were in the majority. Now they're in Israel. We're living today in an unprecedented time that we haven't seen in several thousand years. Certainly in 2,000 years and maybe in 2,500 years or, or more. That is that the Jewish community in Israel is the largest Jewish community in the world, which is quite amazing. Uh, there are about 7 million Jews, just under 7 million Jews in Israel today, can you hear In America, the numbers are very fuzzy. I would say there are 5 million Jews in America. To reform the conservative, the forward, and the others will say there are 6 or 7 or 8 because they're counting every booby schmooby as you know, being Jewish, which they aren't. In Israel, as far as I understand it, when they say there are 6.9 or 7 million Jews in Israel, they're not counting the Ruskies, the Ukrainians who are Goyim, who came to Israel along with the others. You know what I mean. In other words, when the Jews then and now, ever since 1990 or even before, are moving to Israel, so you could have a Jewish guy with his non-Jewish wife and children, and this is all the politics going on now, they haven't converted to this, that, and the other. The left-wingers are saying, just convert the hell out of them and, and, and get it over with, which is a terrible idea, but they don't care. They don't care. You know, they're in favor of left-wingism, and they they couldn't care less about the, the consequences. And Adra, they have a whole bunch of new Jews who aren't really Jewish, be left, very left-wing is something they think is a plus. But I don't think the numbers from the Hebrew University are like that. And they say 6.9 million Jews. I think they are 6... I, I, th I believe they mean Jewish Jews. Not from, of course, but Jewish Jews. So, uh, think about seven... So, roughly speaking, think of 7 million Jews in Israel and 5 million Jews in America. And it might be even a little under 5 million in, in my calculations. But I could be wrong. Uh, that's unprecedented. That Israel should have the largest Jewish community is crazy. So, think of what I'm saying. 7 million in Israel... Uh, 5 million, let's say, in America, 
as 12. There's another four and a half, according to their numbers, another four and a half million Jews to play with. I'm not exactly sure where they end up with those four and a half million, but they say in the articles, uh, they count, Israel counts six million in America. I don't think that's right, but I'm not going to fight it. Okay? So, um, and they're not back to 16 and and 5. I said it wrong. They're 15.2. So we haven't gone back to 1939 yet. We're, according to this, what they're saying here is 15.2. So we're not back to what we had before. Um, but it's 7 in America. I mean, 7 in Israel, 7 million. Uh, 6 million in America. I think that number is not right. It's uh, 450,000 in France. About 400,000 in Canada. So that's close to another million. Uh, so that would give you 13 million or so. In England, let's say England and the place, uh, Holland or Belgium would give you 300,000. Uh, so that would be, you know, uh, 14 million, something like that. Argentina and Russia, between the two of them, have about 300,000, a little more. Uh, Germany, of all things, has hundred over 100,000, 118,000. So without you don't have to have an arithmetic book. The point is you get the general idea, which is that uh, little by little, you're seeing the Jewish people uh, massing in Israel. The only problem is the Arabs have big numbers also. But what drives them crazy more than anything else is the large Jewish numbers. Now, obviously, the Frum are the ones driving the, the, the whatever demography there is, because the non-Frum are having uh, two children at the most. Uh, I just did an experiment yesterday because I was teaching, talking about this in college, and I asked my class, all of whom are not Jewish, in this particular class, I said, how many of you come from families of uh, of all kinds? How many come from families that uh, you know, have more than two kids? None. <laughs> you know, it's a class of 20, uh, none. Uh, oh, they're in Hopkins, but I'm just trying to point past the typical profile. If you know how demography works, you can't stay even with two kids. If everybody has two kids, then you shrink. Because this is, you know, I'm not a demographer, but I know the basics. Uh, if everybody has two kids, so you say like this, if everybody has two kids, so then they'll have two kids and, you know, it'll keep going. But statistically, Lamaisa, it's not true that everyone gets married. And it's not true that everyone who gets married has kids. So if everybody just has two, and you take into account what I said before, it's not true everybody's going to have kids. And so you shrink. This is what's happening in the West in general, that the numbers shrink. In order to stay even, just even Stephen, you need three. You need 2.5, 2.6, I don't know, but there is no such thing as 0.5 or 0.6. So Lamaise, you need, uh, uh, you know, three. You get it? Uh, then that third one, if everybody has three, that'll make sure that, generally speaking, two will get married and, repl and, re and replace, even if the third, you know, doesn't work out. Uh, these are uh, the regular regular numbers. The Jewish world is not having three kids. The from are having more. The non from world is not having three kids. And even if they did, that would just keep me and Stephen. And I'm and I'm not even talking yet about the intermarriage, which is of course in America and elsewhere at crazy numbers. It's impossible. It's over seventy percent, over seventy percent. So I conclude by saying. Uh, as we enter the Holocaust uh, the re Remembrance, and uh, I'm not doing the Holocaust Remembrance, I'm putting it in perspective.
Holocaust perspective, that uh, the bottom line is there were 16, I'm using conservative figures from the official uh, guides at Hebrew U, who I think are bad, do a better job than anyone else. Certainly better than the Americans. So you're left with um, 16 and a half million Jews just before Hitler. And now we're in 15.2. So we have not recovered what we lost. And uh, if all the Jews in the world wouldn't have two kids ever since 1940, the last 80 years or so, 75, 80 years, if all the Jews in the world, for example, I'm just making this up, would have a typical average of four kids, um, then we'd be looking like 20 million. And maybe more. Where would those extra 20 million go? Well, uh, it, it would be good if they were in Israel. <laughs> they could use every one. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Now, maybe the world can't handle it. I don't know. But the bottom line is, you see, God has a clear plan. We just we just don't see the whole outlines of the plan. Everything I just told you now is by way of what it says in the Chumash when Moshe says, let me see your face. And God says, you can't see my face. You can only see my back. So you never know what's coming up ahead of you. But when you look back, if you're intelligent and religious, you can definitely discern patterns. Why precisely the patterns go out the way they do is a theology. But the patterns themselves, you can definitely see the expansion, the Holocaust of 6 million between World War I and World War II. That's clear. And then the absence of that since 1945, but the very slow demographic recovery, which is uh, mainly due to the from. That, that's clear. But the from is a very small group. Uh, but after a generation or two or three, the small comes bigger. As we all know, where this is headed, you know, who, who can tell? But uh, isn't it sad that uh, the Jewish people, as a people, have not recovered since uh, World War II? And if anything, are having a different kind of Holocaust now, which is the one of intermarriage. Notice they're losing people, not violently, uh, you know, uh, but in nonviolent ways. Uh, that presents an entirely different challenge. And to tell you the truth, uh, this is where Israel comes in. Because simply because Israel has a large Jewish population, it's, you know, the, it, it's the less intermarriage. You get what I'm saying? These guys that just want to convert everybody right and left, they say the rabbin is too strict and all the rest of it, uh, they're going to be introducing intermarriage under a different name. Because somebody who's insincere converts to Judaism uh, <laughs> it's not really going to be Jewish. And the non-Jewishness of it will assert itself you know, before too long. So I think the megatrends are like fascinating. Uh, we, we say that a Kashboka brings the Rafua before the Malka. That's a famous uh, statement in the Gemara. And you hear people use that term all the time. I just painted for you a Rafua before the Malka. The Malka, which is the Holocaust, came... But the Rafua, which is the population expansion, and then the removal of millions and millions out of Eastern Europe, no, it's out of the killing zone, across the ocean to North America and to South America and to the British Empire and places like that, that are physically away from the killing zone, is an extraordinary event. Now, that doesn't take away from the terrible tragedy 
of the five and a half million, the six million, whatever, that were murdered by Hitler, right? Although, if you follow what I said before, the ones murdered by Hitler would be more like five million. You see what I'm saying? Because the half a million and five and a half million would be soldiers. I repeat, hundreds of thousands of Russian Jews were killed in combat fighting Hitler in World War II. They count this as part of the thing, but I don't know. It's a, it, To my mind, it doesn't sit so well. But I don't like to get into those kind of discussions because then it's used by Holocaust deniers and things of that nature. Anyway, so these are the thoughts that are running through my mind uh, during this week, uh, time of reflection, especially now we're in the sphere uh, when you're talking about between Pesach and Shavuot, so is the time properly for reflection? The uh, Sfarim will say that the seven weeks is supposed to be times of introspection. And I think uh, when you look at these patterns, uh, you do see definitely the Yadashem. Anyway, once again, I want to thank the Zellingers. Mazel Tov to the Baltimore Zellingers on the Bar Mitzvah this week at the Aguda, Aguda Greenspring. Now that ever shows a day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.